Welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. On today's show, my in-studio co-host is Doug Wortham. And we're going to visit with Tee It Up for the Troops, check in on the Veterans Resilience Project, and get an update from the Minneapolis VA healthcare system. But first, it's time for Generally Speaking, a weekly message from the Adjutant General of the Minnesota National Guard, Major General Sean Mankey. In the National Guard, we place a high value on physical fitness, just as important as our physical well-being as our mental well-being. This month, we recognize mental health awareness. I want to bring attention to the concept of resiliency and what it means for our soldiers and airmen. Resiliency is about our ability to adjust to and recover from adversity. While serving in the National Guard, we juggle many responsibilities, from family commitments to our civilian careers, all while fulfilling our commitment to our nation's defense. At times, we can feel overwhelmed. It is a natural response to our fast-paced lives. If you are experiencing difficulties maintaining this balance, I want you to know that help is available and that asking for help is a sign of strength. Our psychological health coordinators offer confidential assistance. You can call them 24 hours a day at 651-282-4029. That's 651-282-4029. Thank you, General Mankey. For more information, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com. Tee It Up for the Troops is a national nonprofit organization that has donated over $13 million to programs that deliver critical services to help veterans from all eras heal and transition from the battlefront to the home front. And joining me now to talk about that is the president of Tee It Up for the Troops, Tim Whitechet. Tim, welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. Tom, thanks for having me here today. Tim, uh, the pandemic kind of got in the way, and you haven't been in the studio for a while, but uh, glad to have you back in here. Are are things uh, for your organization getting back to some kind of normal? They really have, Tom. I mean, I think with every nonprofit, uh, 2020 was a very challenging year because so many things were put on hold. But very pleased to say that uh, Americans across the country stepped up and really uh, helped us to make some positive difference, and they were ready to, to volunteer, to support, to help us financially and with their time and talents, and very happy to say that 2021 was a very great uh, bounce-back year. A little dip in 2020 when everybody was trying to figure out the pandemic, but then they all wanted to get outside and golf last year, didn't they? You know, that was one of the real blessings, is the fact that golf was one of those things that we could all get out and enjoy and not have to worry about social distancing and all those different things. You could get out, blue sky, green grass, have a great time, support a great cause. And hopefully we can get back to pre-pandemic pandemic levels levels for 2022. Tim, can you give us a little uh, background, the history and mission of Tee It Up for the Troops? Sure. Uh, our organization started in 2005 when a young man uh, joined the Army after uh, the 9-11 attacks and kind of quit college and uh, wanted to do something to, to serve his country. And, and uh, in a conversation with his family and friends, they kind of asked him, um, you know, what they could do to help him while he was deployed. And he said, you know, I got everything we need over here. But if you want to do something to help, uh, why don't you do something for the men and women when they come back home? That's when they really need, you know, our help and support. So from that uh, simple conversation and humble request, Teed Up for the Troops was formed in 2005. And now we're going on 18 years and and, uh, things are looking better than ever. And that goes back to the days of J.B. Ball. Is he still he's still around? You see him once in a while? Oh, yes, yes. J.B.'s uh, still around, and his son Tyler, who deployed, is doing fine. And now J.B.'s a grandfather, and some other time has clicked by, but all are doing well. Very good. Now, Tim, can you tell us uh, how many fundraising golf events are you going to do this year? And before we do that, in all those years you've been around, anybody got a count on how many you've participated in since the inception? 
Uh, I think our number that we say is we've hosted over 600 different golf fundraising events since we started, you know, from the first one we did in 2005 at Mendocota Country Club to now over 600, over 40 states. But we're based here in Minneapolis, and this is our biggest base. We do about 10 different events here in Minnesota and very, very proud of that, not just here in the Twin Cities, but we've got great events in Rochester, St. Cloud, Mankato, and other communities around the state. So it's been a great run. So, Tim, since I met you uh, shortly after you became president, it sounded like you were uh, getting a little some frequent flyer miles in. Are you still traveling quite a bit? We do when it makes sense, uh, when we've got events that really um, need a little bit extra help or, you know, it makes sense for us to be involved. We certainly will do that. These are all 100% volunteer run. So it's very important for us to be helping them every step of the way, providing them with best practices and tools and and coaching, but then also on site to thank all those volunteers and the the people that put so much time and energy into these events. We're speaking with Tim Whiteshed, the president of Tita for the Troops on Minnesota Military Radio. Tim, uh, my understanding, at least here in Minnesota, is that you you partner with a local group for each of your events. And, and that uh, when you help them uh, with the event, they put on the event, you work it together, and when it's over, you kind of split the money. Some of it goes to tee it up for the troops for your national efforts, and, and some of it stays right there locally. Is that still the, the pattern? That is, actually, that is true. Um, each event that we have, um, we have a local organizing committee that uh, pulls together their time and talents and, and makes that event successful, and then the dollars that are raised, um, we take half of it, half of it, and put it into local veterans organizations that are doing the right things and are operating the right manner. And the others we use to kind of fill a national bucket because we want to make sure that we're helping veterans and military families all across the country. And there are organizations that have you know a footprint that covers the entire nation. So we may not do an event in Idaho, but we want to help veterans in Idaho as well. So from the national tee it up for the troops standpoint, you've got dozens of organizations that you support across the nation. Yes, large and small. Larger groups like Fisher House has been a great partner for many, many years. Uh, we do some really unique things with them where we donate uh, six-passenger golf, golf carts so that the you know families can move between the Fisher House property and the VA hospitals and things like that. Um, so grandpa and grandma can move easily and be there with their loved ones and things like that, but to other very small but passionate and very effective organizations as well. And then on the local side, uh, you help local organizations. I know one example is that uh, one of your events here in the Twin Cities contributes some funds to the Minnesota Military Family Foundation so that we can put on another golf tournament and leverage that money into even more money to help our veterans and our military families here in Minnesota. It's become uh, quite a process, and uh, uh, I'm glad everything's getting back to normal. As are we. We're very proud to support the Minnesota Military Family Foundation, other Minnesota-based organizations, MACV, the DAV chapter. All of those are very important in providing great services and support to the families here in Minnesota. Tim, you brought a special guest with us today. Would you like to introduce him? I would. Very proud to have Jeff Munson with us here today. Jeff's a 30-plus year Marine we got a Marine with us today. Well, there's a Marine in the studio. Watch out, Sergeant Major. I know it. <laughs> but another Sergeant Major. We'll we'll let that go, I think. Two Sergeant Majors in one studio. Watch out, Tim. We're Big in enough. trouble. Hopefully got enough room. And, Jeff's and we're both proud. on this side of the table, so watch out. Jeff's a member of our uh, national board and very proud to have him on board with us. Uh, Sergeant Major, welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Sergeant Major, 30 years in the Marines. You were deployed many times. 
and you were deployed on a couple of ships that I recognize the names from World War II. My father was World War II, the USS Peleliu and the USS Tarawa. Uh, what does a Marine do on a ship for six months or ten months at a time? Well, depending on what their MOS is, if it's the aviation side, you know, they conduct aviation operations. Uh, but if on the ground side, they pretty much, you know, train as much as they can, uh, eat chow, read, you know, work out. That's about what Marines do. You know, it's about getting ready for the next fight. And for the NCO that's in charge of those Marines, the biggest job is how do we keep these guys from getting into kind of some kind of trouble? Absolutely. You know, you try to keep them busy with new tactics, techniques and procedures and, and just get them ready for the next conflict. And you ended up as a uh, sergeant major in the Marine Corps with lots of deployments. Afghanistan looks like you've kind of been everywhere. A lot of a lot of combat, sergeant major. Uh, yeah. So you know, been uh, Desert Shield, Desert Storm, Somalia, Iraq, Afghanistan, and and I can tell you, just from my point of view, uh, nothing against the Army, their sergeant major, but uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, my success and all all the, everything I've ever done is is on the backs of the Marines I've served alongside. Um, you know, they're just phenomenal. Phenomenal Americans. They're just very patriotic and just phenomenal. Sergeant Major Munson, we're honored to have you in the studio with us. We have to take a short break. Tim, when we come back, I want to talk about an event called Reunion. We're talking with Tita for the Troops on Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. My in-studio co-host today is Doug Wortham, and we've been talking to Tim Wakescheid and Sergeant Major Jeff Munson, uh, 30-year uh, uh active duty in the Marine Corps. And uh, Sergeant Major, i got to come back to you first. 30 years in the Marine Corps, you've been all over the world, you've been on deployments, you've been everywhere. You get out of the Marines as a Sergeant Major, doesn't get much better than that. How'd you get to tee it up to the troops? It's it's an interesting story. So Rick Dale, who's a, who was a father of a Marine, that I was his first sergeant. Rick's been on the show with us, yeah. And he, I met him at a homecoming. Uh, as a first sergeant, when his son came back, we came back from a deployment uh, to from Iraq. And then fast forward, when I retired, my mother-in-law works with Rick at the uh, the serviceman, serviceman Center at the airport. Oh, sure. Yep. And so she was telling him her son, son-in-law is retiring. And, he, you know, he connected the dots and he reached out to me and you know, he, he's been a part of Tee It Up for a long time. So Rick went into recruiting mode. Yeah, absolutely. And then he introduced me to Terry uh, Branham, and, uh, you know, the rest is history. I, you know, I saw what great things they do at Tee It Up, and I wanted to be a part of it to, to continue to give uh, back to the veterans, and here we are today. Sergeant Major, they saw you coming. You didn't have a chance. <laughs> Tim, I want to come back to you. Uh, you have an annual event there, a special program called Reunion. Can you explain that to us? Yeah, Tom, about 10 years ago, um, it started to become clear that uh, some battle buddies that had been separated due to battlefield conditions and and maybe had never seen each other since some traumatic event that had occurred while they were serving and fighting together uh, could be very therapeutic to bring them back together. And we had kind of started to do that at our golf events where guys that maybe had rehabbed at Walter Reed or wherever it might be, we kind of brought them together to participate and uh, bond at our events and then realized that by doing something like that separate from our golf events and, and building a, a a great outreach effort where we bring a variety of folks together, but mainly it was one-on-one reunions. But we'd have multiple of those reunions, and we'd, we'd stage it around golf, but we'd also build in some counseling things and bring in some other nonprofit partners to provide some services and let them know 
that there's resources available if they need them, if they want them, and uh, make it very comfortable for them to reach out. And then over a, a couple-year period, we started in, inviting spouses and caregivers as well because they are such an integral part of the health and well-being of the veteran and the entire family. So, Tim, uh, you started out with uh, groups of battle buddies, bring them back together, even though they might not be living in the same location or anything. And as I recall, this is like a January event in a, in a warm location. Which helps with recruiting, for sure, when you've got that. But, yeah, we've reunited some Vietnam vets that hadn't seen each other in 47 years, uh, which is a pretty incredible and dramatic reunion, but also a lot of just 9-11 guys that haven't seen each other for 10 to 12 years since they were injured or separated. And Sergeant Major Munson was able to join us for the first time this year, and I think he saw the value of it, and he added a lot of value to the conversations and relationships that we formed there. Sergeant Major, at this uh, these reunion events, I can imagine uh, some old battle buddies getting together and maybe having a beer or two and some telling stories about uh, their experience together wherever they might have been. And in your case, you were in in war zones uh, many times. What was your experience on reunion? How did it work? You know, I didn't know how it was going to work till I got there. But, you know, everyone that comes to reunion uh, comes with a battle buddy, of course, and it's centered around golf. And, you know, what I found is golf is very therapeutic because everyone's golfing together. You're able to relax a little bit. Everyone's very conversational, and, you know, you share a lot of stories while you're golfing. But what was, what was really impactful is is the breakout sessions we had down there in Florida where, you know, groups of veterans would get together with their battle buddies, and we would just talk about the trauma, you know, why they're there, and how it's impacted their lives. You know, the, the trauma has impacted their lives. And how it impacted their caregivers, spouses, you know, what, what, whatever, uh, you know, girlfriends, whatever they had, or boyfriends for that matter. And just the openness of it all, you know, they felt really comfortable because everyone that's there has been through something. And just the openness that they had to tell their story was very therapeutic. I mean, there's a story of one gentleman, one Marine, uh, who, who his life was really on the outs. And, you know, he was at odds with his ex-wife and his daughter. And and now he has custody of his daughter. He's turned his life around. You know, those are the kind of great stories and life experiences that we hear down at Reunion. And it's just very phenomenal that it's, it, it impacts these, these uh, service members and veterans tremendously. We're speaking with uh, Teed Up from the Troops on Minnesota Military Radio. And, Tim, I see here in your material that the Reunion Outreach Program, Teed Up for the Troops, provides supports for six critical areas of need for veterans and their families, golf and sports rehabilitation, suicide prevention, PTSD, and traumatic brain injuries, employment, housing, homelessness, and family caregiver support. So this is more than just bringing battle buddies down and having some golf and maybe a couple of beers. But as you say, you bring in some some other folks to help with uh, perhaps some issues that uh, some of them are having trouble with. That's correct, Tom. And I think that's, you know, one of the things that's really beneficial to us as an organization. Because we are able to connect with so many different nonprofits through our giving, uh, we've got this great partnership type approach and uh, response that we get where they want to give back as we've given to them. And so they're very willing to be on site. And no matter what it is, the programs and services that they offer, they want to be ready and willing and and able to share those with those that attend reunion. So 
you see some incredible transformations while we're down there in that time frame. And then, you know, you try to follow up with additional support and through the resources that they've met, allow that care to continue. Great that you have those people there. And Sergeant Major, for our listeners, they wanted to, if they're thinking about this, would you recommend that they try to get in on the reunion event for this coming up? I absolutely do. You know, and, and you can go to our website, tfforthetroops.org. It's very easy to navigate, whether it's on your phone or, or computer. You click on the events, and then you click on the reunion, and it's very easy application. Uh, and they, all they got to do is fill it out and submit it, and then we will... You know, we'll have that selection process. Thank you, Sergeant Major. Tim, I want to come back to you. We just got a couple of minutes left. So teedupforthetroops.org is the website. Uh, it's an opportunity for folks that want to support veterans and uh, service members and their families to come together, have some fun, golf a little bit, raise some money. You use it for national causes. You use it for local causes. You also have found a way to really benefit some old battle buddies in, in the off season and bring them together and provide resources and things. What do you need uh, in terms of do you need volunteers? Do you need donations? What do you need to keep this cooking and keep it going? Well, to be honest, volunteers are the life, lifeline that's so important to what we do because every single event that we hold, wherever we hold it, um, we've got a volunteer team that, that pulls all that together. And you've done golf events, so you know how much work it is, um, not just filling the field. Uh, but, you know, getting auction items and all the registration stuff and all the various marketing tools. So volunteers that are willing, everyone has different skills, and we just try to apply whatever skills an individual has to making that event strong and to help our organization. So volunteer of time, talent, money, all can be put to great use. We try to keep administrative costs very low, less than 6%, so that we're giving back a large percentage to uh, improve lives. So if you want to get involved, go to teeitupforthetroops.org. Doug, uh, last question for you. Are you thinking about going to this reunion event in January? Well, I I think it sounds like an outstanding opportunity. Um, You know, that's one of the things we've talked about is after I retired is the um, disconnected feeling that uh, that I even have from my service members. And it's only been two and a half half years. So uh, what a great opportunity to get that connection back and, and, you know, rekindle those friendships, so to speak. Tim, better get him an application and see if he makes the see if he makes the cut. Gentlemen, I want to thank you both for joining us today on Minnesota Military Radio. It's our pleasure, thank Tom. Thank you. That was Tim Wegshed, the president of Teed Up for the Troops, and uh, retired Sergeant Major Jeffrey Monson on Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. When we come back, we're going to investigate the Veterans Resilience Project. This is Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. My co-host in the studio today is Doug Wortham. And, uh, Doug, we're going to be talking about the Veteran Resilience Project. But uh, first, it's time for the Commissioner's Corner, a weekly update from the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. Now here's Commissioner Larry Herkey. Who are the movers and shakers in your communities? They may not boast about their service, but if you ask, you'll find that many of them are veterans. They are the leaders who take the initiative when something needs to be done. Give them the opportunity and they will exceed your highest standards. The men and women who have worn the uniform are driven to succeed. They are poised and ready for the next mission, their mission back home in Minnesota. This mission will be in the companies and small businesses across the state. If you're looking for a smart, dependable employee, look to a veteran. For additional information on how to hire a veteran, go to minnesotaveteran.org. Thank you, Commissioner Herkey. For more information, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com. 
Doug, I think we're having a pretty good uh, day in the studio. We just had a Marine in here. Of course, I was in the Air Force. You were in the Army. And our next two guests were Air Force and, uh, and Navy. I think we've covered everything except the Coast Guard today. Yeah, I think you're right. And, you know, we go from talking about uh, golfing, a way in which you can build some resiliency out on that uh, golf course, good therapeutics, uh, to bringing our next guests in where we get to talk about the um, – the Veteran Resilience Project. And with that, I'd like to welcome Eric Wickeiser, who's the chair of board of directors for the Veteran Resilience Project. Eric is a veteran, um, veteran area submarine veteran, and a retired management consultant. Eric, it's great to have you back in the studio. Welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. Thanks so much. I really appreciate that, and it's really great to be here. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about how we got started, and that was way back in 2015 when uh, some of the vets were coming back from the Middle East, and they noticed that they were experiencing some trauma and PTSD symptoms. So Elaine Wynn, who was our founder, started working with them using a therapy called EMDR, and we'll explain a little bit about just what that is uh, a little later on. But uh, she did that, and she noticed that they were really – uh, achieving a lot of good reduction in symptoms, which was a big thing with, you know, with anybody who's having trauma and that, because sometimes that can really be uh, a hard effect on your life. So she noticed that, and so she started Veterans Resilience Project uh, back then, and we've been going strong since then, and uh, we want to talk a little bit more about that. So I'm going to hand it back. Yeah, thank you so much, and, uh, you know, thanks for the, the the very quick overview there. And uh, we do want to talk about EMDR, what it is, what it means. We've talked about it previously on the show, but um, I, I know that uh, it's had some great results. And so you brought a guest in with uh, with you today who is an expert in that field. Would you like to make that introduction? I'd love to. This is uh, Jonna Phillips. Uh, she happens to be a major in the National Guard, and she is our therapy director, and she knows about this. So I'm going to turn it right over to her. Great. Well, thanks so much for having me today. I'm excited to be here and just talk about Veterans Resilience Project, EMDR, and our goal as a nonprofit organization. So uh, just so we can uh, let, let the audience know a little bit about, about you. So you're not only a member of the Minnesota Guard, you're a major in the Air National Guard, um, but you're also a licensed marriage and family therapist. Is that right? Correct. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I've been practicing for over 10 years. In about 2012 to 2014, I became trained in EMDR. And so since then, I have continued to work with clients and veterans who have PTSD or trauma or other symptoms and really found EMDR, which stands for Eye Movement Desensitization Reprocessing. So Great acronym. We all love those in the military. Uh, So what we have found, though, is that veterans or any clients that are using EMDR are able to move through their trauma, their PTSD symptoms much more quickly and effectively without necessarily having to go back to the event. All right. So I'm glad that you're the one that spelled it out, uh, because every time I try to say what EMDR is, I I screw up one of the words. So can you say it one more time? What does it stand for? Yeah, no pressure. Eye movement desensitization reprocessing. All right. And so why why is this um, helpful for our veterans or, or for people in general, right? Not just specific to 
veterans, but obviously this is a military show. We we want to provide resources, information to our service member and veteran community, but it's not just for them. But why is this such a, a successful or helpful tool? Right. That's a great question. So when I became a licensed marriage and family therapist, I knew little about EMDR and I was working in a psychiatric facility Another therapist I worked with was certified in EMDR, and I noticed the clients that saw her really experienced symptom reduction and were much more able to go back out into the world in a a higher functioning capacity. So what we know about EMDR is actually based on our brain. It's a neurological technique where we're going back and forth between the right and left brain. It's called bilateral stimulation. So it's different than talk therapy, where we often can get stuck in either our right brain or our left brain, um, which really kind of creates a barrier for actually reprocessing. And EMDR also really focuses on the sensations and the negative cognitions associated with our trauma or traumatic events versus the event itself. Uh, so a lot of times when we, uh, you've heard the um, saying, you see red when you're angry, right? Um, so we want to actually move through that, but by doing the bilateral um, desensitization. We're speaking about the Veteran Resilience Project with Eric Weikeiser, Wickeiser, excuse me, and also Jana Phillips. And, and so you mentioned talk therapy, and obviously this is different from that. Um, both have their strengths uh, in, in uses. And so um, is this something that is generally um, used in conjunction with? Would you say that this is something that um, can be used without? Uh, where does it stand in um, an alignment with talk therapy? Yeah, we're definitely support people. I still do talk therapy. Um, I use different techniques, different therapeutic approaches. I, it, it's definitely something we want to use in conjunction. A lot of times in talk therapy or other techniques, you can sense a client getting stuck. And so that's when I kind of go back to EMDR or if we want to move through something. Um, there's even what we call like a future template. So there, if there's an, a future event they're really anxious or nervous about, we can use that bilateral stimulation to bring down the, you know, the fight, the flight, fight, stress response. So that's kind of what we're doing is we want the emotional response to match the event. And a lot of times our trauma our PTSD can get in the way of doing that. So we have just about a minute left. And, and one of the things I thought was really interesting as I was doing a little bit of research, which I fully still don't understand. However, um, my understanding is, is that through talk therapy, you, you kind of work through that situation or that traumatic event again, whereas with this EMDR, you don't necessarily go through that same um, situation. Yeah, that's a great point. Again, it's going back to that bilateral stimulation, and we focus on the cognitions or the beliefs we have about ourselves during those events. So I should have done something. I should have said something. Uh, You know, I didn't do my best. Uh, It was all my fault. So we're really focusing on those and then also where you experience those symptoms, those negative emotions in your body. Often when we have our flight or excuse me, our stress response, fight, flight, freeze response, we are kind of dissociating from our bodies. Um, and that's actually a really appropriate response, but a lot of times we don't come back. Right. 
And a lot of times it's actually, you know, it's not matching the event anymore. So um, if somebody cuts me off in traffic, I get I get to be angry or upset about that. But a lot of times if there's unresolved fight, fight and stress responses, then it's escalated. All right. We're going to come back. We'll talk a little bit about a little bit more about EMDR. This is Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. We've been speaking about the Veteran Resilience Project, and in the studio with us is Eric Wickeiser, and we've been having a more detailed conversation with Jonna Phillips, who's a a program director uh, with the Veteran Resilience Project. And so, John, I do want to come back to you because in the last segment, we talked about a lot of different things in Quite honestly, just some of the things that maybe I just don't truly understand. And, and I think from a, uh, uh, a user perspective, if I come to you or I'm referred to you and I'm having some type of a symptom, whether it's a PTSD or, or whatever, what are you going to actually do for me? I mean, how does this actually work? How, how are you going to get into me to help me get some type of resolution to whatever issue I'm facing? Well, that's a great question. And, you know, being a veteran, working with veterans, being married to a veteran, um, one of the things that Veterans Resilience Project is really adamant about is training the therapists within our network on how to specifically work with military members. We know um, that's a unique population, and we really want to honor um, those military members that are seeking support. Uh, we know that's not easy. I always say those are the bravest um veterans I've ever seen that come into my office. Uh, so it's, yeah, no, that, so the, the, the process, right. So we're going to, we're going to talk, but you're going to teach me a technique or something. Right. Yeah. So the therapists are trained. It's an eight step protocol. Um, you know, it's kind of nice. We have our, um, set protocol, which is helpful for military members to kind of understand. And we're going to do some, what we call history taking. We're going to you know, understand what they their goals are. We're going to really actually pace with the, the veterans and the military members. But how we actually do the eye movement, the bilateral stimulation, there's different techniques. Some therapists will have buzzers where you hold in your hand. They're in the right and left hand. Um, some will, you'll have, you follow a light. Um, so it's really what happens in REM. So when you're, you know, have you ever seen your kids sleeping? It's kind of creepy and their eyes are twitching back and forth. That's what you're doing, um, but we don't automatically do that when we're not in REM. But again, that's a much safer, kinder way to reprocess the negative cognitions and the sensations versus outside of REM. And so through this process, I mean, just like the name, right, and we're talking about the Veteran Resilience Project, the EMDR, the techniques that you're teaching through that process, you're building resilience in our our veteran or the client, right? Whoever you're you're working with, so that uh, if something were to happen, maybe not the same exact situation, but something that creates some type of a stress, um, they know how to better react to it. It gives them that resilience again on, on how to work through those things without going from you know zero to one hundred and twenty miles an hour at the flip of a switch. Absolutely, that is the best description. I often say, I just don't want it coming out sideways. You know, I had a commander once who told me, John, I don't do emotions. I'm like, well, that's 50% of your brain. Um, so we actually want to do that. That's a myth we have, right, that we just got to store that in. My husband 
uh, is a retired infantry, 11 Charlie, and he always talks about how he was taught to hold that all of that stuff in like it was cancer. And so if we really unpack that, that is actually what is happening when you don't have resolved PTSD or trauma. So we talked before, um, you know, it's for any type of trauma. We, we mentioned uh, sexual trauma, obviously PTSD. Um, one of the things that's really interesting to me coming out of the Minnesota National Guard and um, one of the big things inside of the military, the veteran um, community, is is suicide. And, and this seems like a tool that could potentially help with suicide prevention. Absolutely. And again, this is why I'm such an advocate for it as you know, being a military member, married to a military member, and then working with veterans. It's actually a tool that you can experience resolution with. And as a therapist, it's always a privilege seeing people de-escalate their symptoms and especially military members being able to go back out and function or even currently serving members as clients. And then they can go back into their drill weekend and you know, function at a greater capacity versus these stress responses getting in the way. Um, and our goal is definitely suicide prevention. And, you know, part of that, too, is to even back it up further is not even waiting until somebody has suicidal ideation or, you know, is coming back to symptoms that are going on earlier on even. Yeah. So we've got about three minutes left, and I want to get one more question to you, and then I want to get back to Eric. Um, and we are speaking with Jonna Phillips, uh, who's a program director with Veteran Resilience Project. So veterans, military members, we're tough people. And, and you already kind of mentioned this, right? We hold that stuff inside. And, and so that's one of the barriers. But how do you break through that to get people to want to come to understand that, one, this is a, uh, a beneficial program, a beneficial tool, um, so they they can use this and it can help with building that resiliency and keeping more of our veterans around and not losing them to suicide, for example. Right. I think it's really understanding that there is hope and there is actually something you can do about it. So we have this myth that, oh, I have this diagnosis and it's just the way it is. You know, I have PTSD, I have depression, I have trauma. Like, so that's just how I have to live the rest of my life. You know, my husband's um, dad was a Vietnam vet, and till the day he died, he was building a bunk- bunker every night in his living room. Yeah, so then I have to do the follow-up, right? So is there something in particular that um, family members can look for to help and make a referral to come in and, and try this out? Right. So they can contact us at our website. It's resiliencemn.org. Uh, that's the best way to contact us for support and help. Um, as far as being a family member or friend, it's just genuinely asking and checking in. You know, there's symptoms, red flags like isolation, you know, excessive um, alcohol or drug use. And even if those things aren't showing up, I would say it's really, really important to do a genuine check-in with your battle buddies, um, family members, friends again. Yeah, that's great advice. Never be afraid to ask that hard question. And, Jonna, thank you so much. Eric, I do want to come back to you because um, this isn't a project that uh, is just happening. I mean, you're, you need to be able to fund it somehow. I understand that you got a nice grant uh, to support the program. What do you need out of uh, the state of Minnesota to help continue to support the uh, Veteran Resilience Program? 
Well, we, def- we did get a wonderful grant from the state of Minnesota, and we're working with the uh, Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, just wonderful organization, very helpful. Uh, we would like additional uh, financial support uh, because uh, going from the organization where we are today and building it up to a larger organization does take a lot. It takes a lot of time and effort and, and uh, that. So uh, any donations would be greatly appreciated. And if you just go to our website, that'll that'll send you right there. And we'll put the link to the website out uh, um, on our uh, webpage as well. Eric and John, thanks so much for joining Minnesota Military Radio and talking to us about the Veteran Resilience Project. Joining me now is Director Pat Kelly from the Minneapolis VA Healthcare Center. Director Kelly, welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. Yeah, hi, Tom. I'm really happy to be with you. Thanks for having me back. Director, it seems like we've been talking about COVID for uh, two and a half years or so, but uh, uh, I found out last week that you can call your primary care and ask them for that extra booster and schedule it, and out you come. So last week, I got my second booster out at uh, out at your place. Gosh, a young guy like you getting that second booster already. That's good, Tom. I, 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 I'd strongly advise it. I've had my second booster, too. So uh, it is available. We're encouraging veterans to get it. And uh, and you hit the nail on the head. If you uh, are scheduled to see your doctor, they can give it to you in clinic. In clinic and just call for an appointment, and they'll get you in quickly. Yeah. Director, uh, when I was out there, we were still going in through the uh, uh, outpatient entrance. But I understand that you've got more construction coming up. You're getting your construction head out. Is there going to be a, we're going back to the old main interest for a while? Well, you know, this is, uh, we'll call it progress, Tom, but yeah, it's going to look a little disruptive for veterans for uh, probably about 15 months or so. So yeah, we, we uh, the veterans who come here, the, the, the service members remember that we have an outpatient entrance and a main entrance. And our outpatient entrance is typically where veterans get dropped off and come in and take those elevators. And that's where a lot of our uh, screening has been done and our, and our uh, escorts. We're doing some significant renovation in that area to make it better, more user-friendly for our veterans. And so for the next uh, 12 or 15 months, uh, the main entrance will be the place where veterans will enter, get screened, exit, uh, you know, get, get your mask and do all that kind of stuff. And so we have a lot of volunteers out there and a lot of signage to direct people to the right place. But uh, again, it's going to look a little disruptive, but, uh, it, you know, once uh, people get accustomed to it and the flow starts to get... Uh, 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 sort of where people are accustomed and used to it, uh, it's going to be good. It's going to allow us to do a really nice improvement to that outpatient space. So, so yeah, that's going to be going on for a while. So we'll be coming in the old main entrance where you enter in and you're basically in the flag atrium and yep, lots exactly. of people there to help you get to where you need to go. Yep, that's the one right when you're coming in Veterans Drive. It's right in front of you. It's, it's boldly labeled main entrance. That is the entrance, yeah. And director, it looks like that construction project just right next to that is is uh, it's all closed in. It looks like it's almost finished. Yeah, you know, so it it, it will be ready to uh, you know cut a ribbon there probably in in October or so. So that's not far off. And and uh, again, once we do that, then the the women's clinic is right behind that, right next to it, and 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 to follow. So so a couple good projects there. And again, that's gonna that's gonna allow us to get to single bed rooms here in our hospital, which is something we've uh, we've been trying to get to for several years. It's going to take several years still, but. Uh, but that's the you know again the VA has been very good about funding those kinds of uh, maintenance projects and, and minor projects to keep us current and and uh, uh, and clean and safe as a hospital. So yeah, those those are those are a couple of pretty good projects. 
Looking forward to that women's clinic. I think a lot of the lady veterans are too, sir. And I know May is Mental Health Month, and and uh, that uh, it was a great month for the VA hospital. But we've got a special uh, radio show coming up on June twenty third. Looking forward to it. You know, the, we, you know, it's been uh, that is that is your show in our hospital. So so uh, you know, we uh, it's been a couple of years, but I, I have great memories of the last time you were here, and we set up in the flag atrium and. People walk by and they recognize the voice of military radio, and they come over and they watch, and uh, and, and it was really a fun event. So I, I'm I am very much looking forward to that again this year. So for any of our listeners or any of your patients that are out there, June 23rd around noon, we have another live show at the Minneapolis VA. I'm looking forward to that as well, sir. Yeah. Director, about out of time. I'd like to thank you for taking time to join us today. Great being with you, Tom. Thank you. Thank you, sir. That was Director Patrick Kelly from the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System on Minnesota Military Radio. The 13th Annual Scoops for the Troops is back at the Arden Hills Training Site, 4761 Hamlin Avenue North, on Sunday, May 22nd, from 10 to 3. This family-friendly event raises money for tribute to the troops for post-secondary education for Gold Star families through participation in a 5K run, 3K walk, bake sale, food trucks, and silent auction. For more information, go to scoops4troops.net. We're just about out of time. Thanks for listening to this edition of Minnesota Military Radio. I'd like to thank our guests for joining us this week, Tim Wakeshed and Jeff Monson from Tee It Up for the Troops, Eric Wickheiser and Jonna Phillips from Veterans Resilient Project, Director Pat Kelly from the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System, my co-host Doug Wortham, Commissioner Larry Herkey of the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, and finally Minnesota's Adjutant General, Major General Sean Mankey. Please join us next week as we take the show on the road for the commissioning of the USS Minneapolis-St. Paul. That's coming up next weekend on this station or online anytime at minnesotamilitaryradio.com. I'm Tom Lyons, and I hope that you make a difference in someone's life this week. Minnesota Military Radio is a production of iHeartMedia, the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, the Minneapolis VA, Beyond the Yellow Ribbon, and the Minnesota National Guard. Your host is Tom Lyons, founder and owner of Phelan Partners Limited, a merger and acquisition advisory firm. Tom is a life member of the American Legion, VFW, Vietnam Veterans of America, and the DAV. For podcasts and the latest updates, follow us at minnesotamilitaryradio.com.